Hey, this is Welby Pierce. I'm the lead pastor of Hope Rising Church. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope it inspires you, hope it builds your faith, and hope it gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. I hope you enjoy the message. Come on, let's lift Jesus. Come on, let's lift Jesus up. Come on, lift him up in this place one more time. Jesus, we love you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for being a way maker. When we don't see it, when we don't feel it, you are working for our good. Amen? Amen. Come on, why don't you high five about three or four people around you and tell them he's a way maker. He's a way maker. He's a way maker. Yeah, he's a way maker today as you take a seat. As you take a seat today. Hope you're doing good. How many liking this weather? Come on now. Come on, it's so good. I always say, you know, if you like it hot, it'll be hot like by noon today. So don't worry. You'll be all, you'll be all right. Well, hey, if I haven't got a chance to meet you, I am Pastor Welby, lead pastor. And I just would love uh, to get a chance to meet you after service today. If I haven't got that chance, and I'll be at the Next Steps area. And uh, man, I just want you to know that I love what God is doing. I love something about a new year. Right? I, I, anybody like the new year? I, I like the new year, man. It's a time to kind of reset. It's a time to kind of really just, just press in and uh, see what God wants to do. And uh, we are in a, in a series called New Year, New You. Can you say that with me? New Year, New You. And what this whole series really is about is, uh, and really this whole year is about, is about you and me getting healthy. How many like to get healthy? How, how, like healthy is, is a good thing, right? Uh, you, you tried the gym for a day or two and you're like, cool, I'm done with that. Um, but, but we want you and us uh, to, to be healthy people emotionally, spiritually, mentally. And we just don't want it to be a one and done type of thing where, hey, we talked about it, cool. We check the box and we say, we're good. We want to have an ongoing conversation this year that says, says, hey, we need to be healthy people. Well, I've seen it uh, this past year. Awesome. Well, one of us wants to get healthy. Let's go in the back. Come on. And so uh, we saw it last year in so many different ways, but we saw it where people, uh, so many people started, it started to seem like a bigger scale where people are, are struggling with depression. And struggling with anxiety, and uh, I, I had uh, in, in ministry, I've got a lot of pastor friends, and and I started talking to pastor friends that were dealing with some of the same things, and and in fact, you probably saw in the news where there were pastors that took their life last year, and and I just was, I just kind of thought, you know what? If pastors are dealing with this stuff, then surely other people are dealing with this stuff as well. And we can't just, we just can't let it go by the wayside. We've got to have an ongoing conversation about this. And so uh, our desire for you this year is that you would get or be healthy. And so this, this, this verse here, or verse set of verses, has kind of been our launching pad for this series. And I want to read it to you today. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. You can look at the screen if you don't have your Bible. It is behind me. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. We, we don't fight like the world does. The, but the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary... They have divine power to demolish, say that word with me, strongholds, right? They have the divine power to demolish strongholds. 
We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so, in fact, the definition for stronghold or strongholds is, is a prisoner locked by deception. A prisoner locked by deception. Somebody that's been lied to you. You've believed the lie. You're living your life believing something that is not true. And so if you, if you missed any weeks, I, I want to recap you for a moment. In week one uh, of this series, we started talking about the truth about lies and, and how we replace the lies for God's truth. And, and as we do that, that we're believing for a power, powerful year. When we begin to replace the lies that we've been be- believing or lies that we've been told and we replace it with God's word, man, I'm believing for a powerful year. How about you? And last week, last week we talked about addiction and how how the struggle is real and and learning to say no to the small things that maybe don't matter as much so that when big things kind of arise in our life, it's easier for us to say no to that. And that's kind of what 21 days of prayer and fasting does. It's, it's saying no to something that your body craves, isn't it? I don't know if you're, if you're fasting with us, but, but if you are, you kind of know what I'm talking about. If you're not, we're in the last week of 21 days of prayer and fasting. I want to encourage you to fast something this week and be a part with us and spend that time, a little extra time praying and seeking out the Lord. But that's what, that's what fasting does. It, it's, it's saying, hey, I'm hungry I want, I want some, some ice cream. I want some, some, some Mexican food maybe for some of you. I, I want this or I want that, but, but I'm going to say no, right? And, and as we train ourselves to say no to things that are, doesn't matter as much, when, when things really do matter, it's a lot easier to say no, And so what I starve dies is what we left with. What I starve dies and what I feed thrives. And I want to preface today uh, with this as we get ready to dive in. If, if you have a teenager in, uh, in this room, I want you to know um, that your teenager is going to be okay with the talk today, all right? Uh, I want you to know that we're not going to have a shock and awe type of uh, conversation. I, I'm not going to try and say anything that's crazy uh, up on uh, the platform. But I do want you to know if you have children under the age of 12 in here, uh, I would caution you um, to uh, let them enjoy the day in our kids' ministry. That's really awesome uh, because they will uh, benefit from that being around other kids today. But with the message uh, topic and content, um, it may not be appropriate for those under 12, okay? And so uh, just want to let you know, teen, I promise you, your teenagers hear way, just way, way, way more than what we're going to talk about today at school, okay? So uh, they're not going to be shocked about anything that is said today. Um, I promise you that. But today we're going to talk about overcoming sexual strongholds. Today, today, in fact, today may be one of those days you just want to look straight ahead. You're just like, I'm not going to look to the left. I'm not going to look to the right. Like, these are one of those topics that you don't even know where to say amen at, right? You're like, amen. Oh, man, I shouldn't have wrong place to say amen, right? And so uh, we're going to talk about overcoming sexual strongholds. And uh, I-, I want you to know that it- it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Everybody say it's everywhere. It is everywhere. And it's something that 
everyone has to figure out how to deal with. Like if you're breathing today, you know that you have to figure out how am I going to deal with this topic. And unfortunately, the church has been horribly silent about this topic. Like this is one of those taboo kind of topics that we'll just, we'll just pray and hope that everybody's good and, and we'll just go on about our business. But the truth is, is that the church has been horribly silent about it. And if the church does not talk about this, then the world will have answers. If we don't have a conversation about this, well then if we can't find the answers in the word and we can't find the answers at church, well then the people are gonna go find the answers somewhere else. And, and if you've tried it the world's way, you know that the world's way doesn't work. Like if you've done that before, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, it doesn't work. But let us as a church not shy away from the hard conversations. Not to talk about it in a crude way. We're, we're not going to talk about it in a crude way today, but in a way that people understand God's plan sexually for their life. I believe if we stay away, then we won't be able to rescue a generation. I believe if we stay away from this topic, we will not be able to rescue a generation. If we don't talk about it, if we don't bring it to the table, then we're going to lose a generation of people. I told you earlier that I think at least at the beginning of this month that today's going to be a little PG-13, all right? Be a little bit PG-13. I won't go beyond that, but just know it's going to be a little. Everybody say PG-13. And so one thought as we get started, and then we want to dive in. I want you to know every single one of us is living in this fallen world and that we're all fallen. You're, you're fallen. I'm fallen. Like we say it all the time, right? You're jacked up. I'm jacked up. Like we say it all the time. Like it's okay. Like the person that's sitting next to you, they don't have it all together. And, I, and it's what I love about our church. There, there isn't one sin worse than the other. The church just has maybe placed more emphasis on some rather than others. But until we can get to the place where we understand other people and understand that we're just, we're all in the hospital today, all trying to get better. That, that's just where we're at, that, that maybe we arrived in the hospital a little sooner than others, and maybe some are a little healthier than others, but, but we're all in the hospital trying to take our next step and getting a little healthier today, amen? Amen, amen. all right. So let's, let's move on, let's get going and dive into this today, if you would. Uh, I want you to know this just from the get-go. God created sex. Everybody's like, okay, here we go. Growing up, growing up, maybe, maybe you heard it like this. Maybe you heard that sex is dirty. You heard that it's, it's ugly and it's bad. Anybody, like, anybody heard that growing up? It's ugly, it's dirty, it's bad. Save it for the one that you're going to marry. <laughs> it's like, Ooh, well, if it's dirty and it's bad, why would I? So I want you, God created it, but he's also for it. God is pro-sex. And you've never experienced it at the level he intended until you do it his way. I mean, just to read the scriptures, 
or some of the scriptures, this message is like, would be PG-13, really, really going into the R rating. And, and in fact, I'm not even going to read some of the scriptures that I could read today. Uh, you, you can go home and read some of them. I mean, like Proverbs 5.19. I mean, just, just write that down. Yeah, look it up on your phone right now. I mean, but, uh, you know, just, just Proverbs 5.19. I mean, it's a good one to read, but it's like, whoa, that's in the Bible. I mean, I'm telling you, you'd be shocked what's in the Bible sometimes. Just, just get, I mean, I mean, Proverbs 5.19 is like, I mean, it's like crazy. But we won't read those today, okay? Romans chapter one, let's dive in. Paul said, yes, they knew God. Meaning they were, they were believers. They, they followed after Jesus. They knew God. But they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And that's what the church is even doing nowadays. The church is, is making up things, coming up with ideas that are contrary to the Bible and just whatever fits culture and and it says, as a result of this, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God, right? They traded the truth about God for a lie. And I, I wanna go over some lies for a moment. Before we kind of get into the how, some of the practical application, I, I, wanna, I wanna go into some, some sex lies that I believe we have been told through uh, through culture. And, and first one would be this, that, that sex is an animalistic action, that, that you, should, you should respond to your feelings, that, that the world says that, that if, you're, if it feels good, do it, that, that your feelings are who you are. But I want you to know that your feelings don't define you today. That, that your feelings can't define you and who you are. You're not what you feel, but who God says you are. You're not what you feel in the moment, because there's moments where you may not feel like being married, but you better, you better feel like you're really fast, okay? And so there's moments where you may not feel like doing something, but you've got to begin to say, you know what? I'm not going to go with my feelings. There's moments where I'm like, I don't feel like fasting in this moment, but you know what? I'm going to be disciplined, I'm going to say no to my flesh, and I'm going to move forward with who God says I am. And if you've ever followed your feelings, you know that your feelings will lead you into trouble. Sex, lie number two, is a recreational activity, that it's just for fun, that, that hey, it's spring break. We're going to party. It's going to be great. We're going to go. We're going to forget. We don't even know where we were at. I mean, are you going to be with whoever you're going to be with? I'm not even, I don't even know her name, but it's okay. We had fun. But God wanted it to be more than just a physical act. God, God wanted it to be a union of the soul. 
I mean, as far back as Adam and Eve, in the beginning of time, the beginning of creation, you see that Adam and Eve, that they were one, the Bible said. The third lie we're going to talk about briefly is that sex is an isolated event. That I can just click on and click off. I can just turn the light on and I can just turn it off. But a part of it, a part of it sticks with you. And a part of you sticks with them. And in fact, I, you know, I love marketing slogans and I love, I love getting to see uh, clever marketing, uh, especially during like the, anybody loves Super Bowls next weekend? Is it next weekend, right? Or two weekends from now? And um, I, I love watching the commercials. The commercials are great, right? These companies have put a lot of thought and to try to be clever and all this stuff. Uh, but the devil has a marketing strategy and he has this slogan that you all know. And, it, and it's this, this right here. He says, what happens in Vegas stays, stays in Vegas, right? And that's a great slogan, but, but truthfully, whatever happens in Vegas really just ends up in the counselor's room. That's really where it ends up. Because it doesn't stay in Vegas, it actually comes with you. And lastly, this lie here, sex is just physical. They have songs about it. Let's get physical. Physical, right? Like we, I mean, it's just, it's, it's all in our culture, it, it, but it's way more than physical. I, I want you to say this word with me. Two words. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. I, I want you to know that today. It's spiritual. There's more of your life that's spiritual than you even realize. There's more to your life that you're going through today that is, is, there's more spiritual components to it than sometimes we even realize. You are a spirit being, and you're made in the image of God. And you're not an earthly being having temporary spiritual moments. You are a spirit being having a temporary earth moments. We're here just for a moment. And God was trying to achieve something for your benefits. And it's called intimacy. God wanted not just you to understand the intimacy between a husband and a wife, but, but God wanted you to understand the intimacy between you and him. You see, real love is defined by a commitment to a person, not a feeling. Real love is defined by a commitment to a person. You stood at an altar and you said your vows and you looked out in, in their eyes and you gazed and, and you were so excited and some of you maybe even cried and, and you said, hey, I'm committed to you. Death do us part, for better, for worse, richer, for poor. Like, like we made a commitment, but as we go in culture, we see that the commitment isn't so strong as we would hope. In 1 Corinthians, it says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute? Man, these are really strong words that, that Paul is here talking and, 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 and speaking about. 
But you got to realize that the church of Corinth here, they actually were having, uh, their temple worship was prostitution. And this was going on in the church. This was part of, uh, of temple worship. And so, so Paul was really trying to, to get their attention. And he was like, no, never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. He is saying it's not just a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing as well. All right? And so, and so I got this illustration, and it's really, it's really easy, but, but that, that word there, unite, actually means to glue. It means glued together. And so I got two pieces of construction paper here, and, and they have been together. And so they're glued. They're glued, all right? But, but what happens is, is we're tired of this person. We're not really committed to them. We were committed to the feeling in the moment. It felt good. She was smoking hot. He looked good. And so we're with them. But then that feeling or that moment is over and we're ready to go about our business. And, and what happens is, is when you pull apart from each other, you begin to leave, leave pieces of yourself with them. Why? Because you have united yourself with somebody else. And because it's not just a physical thing. It's not just something that happens and then you go on about your business. No, it is actually something that impacts your soul, your spirit, the innermost parts of who you are. It impacts you. You see, we, we see movies and, and we, see, we watch TV and, and it makes it look really great. The mood is set right. The music is great, right? Like, it's just, it's like, you're like, man, this is amazing. I can't wait to try it. And then like, you, you try to mimic whatever you see and you're like, wow, that didn't, that's, that's, I don't know what they did. That didn't work for us. That's just, that's just not happening. You know, just, I don't know. Because what, what you see or what Hollywood tries to portray is, is not what God intended. It doesn't work like that. Like They're like, mm, scene, end, and it's like the next scene. And everybody seems to be okay and happy and life is good. But there's something on the inside that begins to be bothered. In fact, Paul says, he says in verse 18, he says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that their bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. There's something about this sin. It's not, it's not higher on the scale of sin versus sin, but there's something about this sin that is different than any other sin. This, this sin causes you to sin against your own body. It impacts you and affects your life in a way that other things 
do not. That word there in this passage, sexual immorality, it's two words, but it comes from the Greek word called pornea. Pornea, which which where we get the word pornography. It literally means all sex outside the bond of marriage. That, that between one man and one woman, anything outside the bonds of marriage, the Bible would talk about being sexually immoral. So what do you do when sexual immorality rears its ugly head? What do you do? Well, we do what Paul said right here. You run, you flee. Like you get as far as, as a way you can from that. Like you just start running, baby, and don't stop until you're far enough away where you can't see it any longer. You run, you flee. And this is what sexual immorality does. It brings shame. Nobody's, nobody's shaming you here today. Because we all got stuff. So nobody's shaming you. In fact, nobody even has to shame you. You shame yourself because of how you feel and the emotions that come along with it. And what happens when we feel shame is that we hide the sin and the cycle continues. We hide the sin. Man, we can't tell anybody about that. Like we We can let people in a little bit and let them know some other things. But when it comes to this, we can't let people know. And so we hide the sin because of the shame that we feel, but the cycle continues. You begin to think things like, you'll never be free. I'll never get over this. How will I ever get through it? I want you to know we get it. I want you to know today, that it's okay to say, I struggle with this and I desire to be free. It's okay to say, I struggle and I wanna be free. It's okay, man, I, I'm, I'm trying, I'm not there yet, but I desire to be free, amen? First Thessalonians says, for God wants you to be holy and pure and to keep clear of all sexual sin for God has not called us to be dirty-minded and full of lust, but to be holy and clean. So I want to take the rest of our time here, and I want to help you and give you four simple things when it has to deal with overcoming sexual addiction or strongholds. The first thing is this, is to make a commitment to God's way. Everybody say God's way. Make a commitment to God's way. You don't have to feel it, you just have to choose it. You don't have to feel it, you just have to choose it. In fact, maybe you feel trapped. Maybe you're in an online conversation with somebody and you're like, man, this thing is getting in a little too deep for me. Maybe you're in a a flirtatious relationship at work and, and things haven't gone too far yet, but there's some things that you're struggling with and you're like, man, this needs to stop, but I don't know how to stop it. Maybe, maybe you're on the edge of adultery today. Maybe you're trapped by pornography. I want you to know, do what the word says and to turn around, make a commitment to God's way. And as you do, this is what God's response is gonna be to you. It's gonna be this. 
Come here. Have you ever had a son or a daughter come to you crying or hurt about something and they came to you? What did you do as a parent? You embraced them. And I want you to know today, not only is God with his arms out ready to embrace you, I want you to know that you're here at a church that has its arms stretched out wide for you and is ready to embrace you and let you know it's going to be okay. We'll walk with you through it. Isaiah 1.18 says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Man, I'm just believing that, not just in this series, but I'm just believing this year that this is a year of restoration. I'm believing that our sexuality as as a people, it will be restored in Jesus' name. Therefore, Come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will embrace you. And I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters. Man, if you can get a, uh, just an image today, man, just that the, the arms of the father are wide and they're ready to embrace you. They're ready to hold you and let you know, hey, my son, hey, my daughter, it's going to be okay. Secondly, we've got to manage our minds. Manage my mind. You may know this and you may not, but the porn industry revenue is currently greater than Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, and the NHL revenues combined. You thought there was a lot of money in one sport. But take just some of the main sports, the four main sports that we have in America combined. The porn industry's revenue is greater. They tell us that the average age for the first time someone is sees a pornographic image is at the age of 11. By the age of 11, they say everybody has been exposed for the most part to something of that nature. In fact, the thing that has been so awesome in our lives has been the thing that has been a curse. Because where kids can read their Bible app, they can also click to the app next to it and look at pornography in the matter of seconds. It's at our fingertips. It is instant. If you're a parent in here, I, I want to um, encourage you to be mindful, to not be naive. I, 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 know, I know your kid is really awesome. They are. Your kids are great. But don't be so naive that little Johnny or little Susie isn't looking at things that they probably shouldn't be. There's an article that I read that says, if you don't teach your kids about sex, porn will. You can't avoid this topic as a parent. 
You're like, well, my kids are in elementary school. I don't have to talk about it. No, you got to start talking about it now. You have to start talking about this topic now. Age appropriate, yes, but you have to start talking about it and preparing your kids now because it is impossible to hide this from your kids. In fact, they have books. That we, 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 we've got books. There's a series of three books. I think it's three books and, and we age appropriate. And when, you're, when your child is of the age, they have age ranges, but when they're at the age that you should start reading this book and, and it begins to explain relationships and how to have healthy relationships and boundaries. And you think, you, and I think it started as early as four or five years old where you're sitting down trying to begin to prepare the mind of your child so that when they are confronted with it, listen, they say that, especially with this, that the, the first time a child hears about this topic or this subject, that begins to frame what their truth is about it. And if they hear it from their friend at school, then that becomes what they believe is the truth. But if they hear it from you first as a mom or a dad, then that begins to frame the truth of, of what this whole thing is about and how God really designed it. And I don't know about you, but I don't need some four-eyed, freckled, brace-faced little geek to tell my daughter. Sorry, that's a little, that's a little much, but you know, if you got daughters, you know what we're talking about. So, uh, you know, to try and tell my daughter what it is. I need her to hear it from her mama or her daddy and let her know, hey, we're going to be with you and we're going to teach you through this. Another article says, if your child has any online presence, oh, no, let me back up. This, this other article says, an FBI agent was talking and he said, if your child has a cell phone, there's a hundred percent chance 100% chance, if your kid has a cell phone, there's a 100% chance that they've been contacted by a human trafficker already. Listen, we live in the capital of human trafficking in Houston, Texas. There's a 100% chance that they've already been, con they may not know it, they may not realize it. They said, if your child has any online presence, they've been seen by a predator at least once. If there's any online presence whatsoever. I'm just saying as parents, let's be vigilant. Let's be careful. Let's protect our kids. I mean, listen, they have police stings all the time here in Houston. You see it all the time. You see it on the news. You got the next door app. You see it happening all the time. People being arrested for solicitation and trafficking. This isn't just something that other people deal with. This isn't one of those things that says, hey, that's, it's not us, it's them. We don't have to worry about this. No, this is something that we have to deal with. Do you know they, that there are sex trafficking parlors disguised as different businesses just right here in Cyprus? Do you know you can go down 290 and you could just look and see when you go, when you partner with, with organizations like Elijah Rising, and you, you can realize that it is, it is not in our backyard. It's in our front yard. It's in our side yard. It's everywhere. And we can't turn a blind eye. It's right in front of our faces. Jesus said that the eye is the lamp of the whole body. 
I know both man and female, we, we both struggle with this, but can I talk to the fellas for a second? Fellas, put your head on a swivel. Like, oh, she, oh, but no, we're going to go this way. All right? Fellas, let me help you out. Like, okay, you're going to notice she's pretty, but let it stop at that and just walk away. All right? She's Jezebel. She's the devil. All right? That's Satan incarnate right there. All right? You look cool. She looks good, but just turn and run. Flee the other way. All right? Go home. Take a shower, a cold shower. Do what you got to do. But make it happen. Run the other way. The eye is the lamp of the whole body. Romans 8, 5 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. How many know life and peace sounds really good? We have to figure out a way. You have to figure out a way. I have to figure out a way. Can I tell you that one of the ways that, that we figure out a way is, is we, we don't have movie channels in our house. That's, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't or you can't, but it's too easy for me to be able to, 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 to be flipping through our channels at night and, and see something on and be like, hmm, that's really, that's really interesting. I wonder, what, I wonder what's happening there. Would you look at that? Would you look at that? That is, I, I can't, I, I wonder what that is. Um, it, it's too easy, all right? And so I try to eliminate the easy uh, pieces of that in my life. I try to make it really difficult for that to appear even in our house. And so we say, hey, we're not going to do movie channels because we don't want to even engage or even be tempted in that way. I'm not saying you don't, you don't for you to cancel your, your movie subscription at the house. I'm just saying you have to figure it out for yourself. You, you got to do, do something that is good for you. Psalm 101.3 says, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. We gotta manage our minds. We gotta manage our minds. Next, we gotta maintain healthy relationships. And I believe with managing our minds and, and, and the way we think and also coupled with maintaining healthy relationships, I believe this is key for us. I believe this is key for you and for me. Because we need people. The natural instinct tells us we can't tell somebody, but can I tell you the thing that you need more than anything is to tell somebody. Do not be misled, 1 Corinthians says, bad company corrupts good character. That's why we need groups. We need people. We need friends. One of the things that we're doing this year, we, we started a pilot group last year, actually in the fall, uh, called a freedom group. And, and we're starting, come on. And so we are, we are starting uh, freedom groups for our church this semester. And 
man, it, it, what, it, what it all is, it really is all about what we're doing this whole year. This whole year is kind of like a, a freedom group, but it's more intense as you are in a, in, a, in a smaller group of people. It helps reconcile who God is and what he says about you and, and, and taking the things of the past and making things right so we can go and, and we can make a difference together. And so we're going to be doing freedom groups this year. And man, we've got a men's group and we'll have a, a ladies group this year. We've got a, a group for students and we've got a fresh start group for those that maybe you've just newly gotten saved or given your life to Jesus. This gives you an opportunity. Well, what does it mean to follow Jesus and, and just to help disciple you and to pour into you and, and kind of bring some of those things to life? Can I tell you, you need that? Can I tell you, we need that? Because what it does is it lets us know that we have an ally. It lets us know that we, we have each other's back. When you go through something, I go through something. When you hurt, I hurt. When you got questions, I'm going to have questions with you and hopefully help you find some answers. We need some people in our lives, some allies, some friends. Some people say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. Man, I love it when I get texts from some of my friends or from some of y'all says, hey, Lord, had you on my heart today praying for you. Man, believe in God's best for you. Man, we need some people like that in our lives and it only happens through the context, uh, context of relationships. And James 5, 16, one of my favorite verses says, make this your common practice. Make this your common practice. In fact, it says this, make this your common practice. Are you getting that? Make it your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. I don't know about you, but living whole and healed sounds good to me. Living whole and healed, complete. Salvation comes instantly. Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord and my Savior. Salvation happens in a moment. But we find healing and wholeness when we do what this scripture says, to confess your sins to each other. And if you're like me or like other people, I get it. We don't want to confess our sins to one another. We want to confess it to God. Growing up, we would, we would say, come down to the altar and, and, and give it all to God. And, and I believe doing that. I think that's the first step. But, but what would happen is that we would give it to God and we would go home and still struggle with the same things that we were struggling with. And we're like, God, I gave it to you, but I still struggle. And you come back the week next week and you give it to God, but you still struggle. And, and then you get... You feel defeated and you feel like you're losing and you're like, how am I ever going to overcome this? And, and maybe we weren't taught this well enough. And I want to make sure as a church we teach this well that confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you can live together and be whole and be healed. And as we do that, we can magnify God's plan for our lives. Realizing that we're, we're not just being delivered from something, but being delivered to something. 
not just being delivered from something. Yeah, it's great to be delivered from that stuff. It's great that that stuff no longer has a hold on you, but that it wouldn't be something that has a hold on you, just that, but we would be delivered into something different, that we would replace the lie with God's truth. We would replace something that is hurting us with something that is now helping us. The last verse of the day says, with promises like this, to pull us on, dear friends. Let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit in holy temples for the worship of God. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes today? Man, I just believe that in this series, New Year, New You, God is is doing some things in the lives of people. In fact, just some of the messages we have gotten and some of the things that people have said about these first two weeks has been, man, God is changing my life. You wouldn't believe what God is doing. And I believe this week, as we've talked about sexual strongholds and addictions, and I know it was a tough topic, and I know it was, it was kind of heavier, uh, more heavier than normal, but, but I believe that we have to have the conversation because we got to be whole, and we got to be healed, and we need to be healthy in Jesus' name. And I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you that that the healing that you need, the healing that God has for you, that it would start today. By, uh, by no means do, do, do I believe or, or want you to believe that, that, man, you say a prayer today that, that, that you're just instantly healed and you'll no longer have a struggle with this. Can I tell you that, that this is just the beginning? This is just the beginning piece of it, that, that after this, that you need to find somebody that you trust, somebody that, that you trust wholeheartedly that you can go to and just have a conversation and say, hey, I struggle. I need some help. Would you help me? Thank you for joining us on the Hope Rising podcast. Visit us online at myhoperising.co. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful week.